brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Procrastination, the reason people do it, it's not a personality thing. It's not that they're lazy or unmotivated, it's that if they don't know the outcome, right? If there's a possibility they might fail, then they're worried about starting it. They'll push that off. And when I understood that, I was like, oh no, 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 no. I'm not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> and I, in fact, did change that too. I mean, that one was a hard one to overcome, but I, once I understood it, I was like, no, I'm not doing this again. So, you know, I wanna live a messy life. That's the truth. And the messiness is where I have learned the most and the growth has been most tremendous. You know, if you never had a hardship, or you never had something not be quite right, you know, where did the learning actually occur? It wasn't when everything went as you planned. Now let the magic begin. Hello, hello, and Jaima, Yomis. It's Raquel and welcome to Your Own Magic, a soul-expanding and heart-opening podcast. You may hear some birds chirping in the background or squirrels making some noises because I'm recording outside in the Rocky Mountains, up high in the mountains, in fresh air. It's so nice. Anyway, so I'm so happy to have had Monica Berg back on this podcast, and I'm excited for you to hear this episode. If you're not familiar with Monica, well, Monica is the author of Fear is Not an Option and Rethink Love, and she co-hosts the Spiritual Hungry podcast with her husband and serves as Chief Communications Officer for the Kabbalah Center International. I'll leave a link to the very first episode we recorded, I believe a year or two ago, and in this episode, we just flowed through a variety of topics from grief to the path to letting go of self-sabotage and letting go of perfectionism, pessimism, getting unstuck, not waiting for the world to change along with reevaluating the way you spend your time and the power of kindness and rethinking love along with loving this messy life we all live. I love that. I love when she mentioned that she loves her messy life and I'm like, same, so do I. And there's so much more we talked about in this window of time. So if this episode or any of the Euro Magic episodes has helped you in any way, shape, or form, and you feel the nudge to leave some sort of rating and review, I'm not going to stop you. In fact, thank you. Thank you and blessings to you. And this episode is also sponsored by Hum Nutrition and Skillshare. More on them later on in the episode, along with in the show notes. They've been around for Euromagic for quite a minute now, so I'm very thankful. And let's get on with the show, shall we? And now, I believe it is time to let the magic begin. 
with Monica Berg. The first question I ask lately, the Euromagic guest, is what lights you up most in this season of your life, Monica? Mm, what lights me up? Um, everything. <laughs> in fact, really everything. I know that sounds like a, a general, broad answer, but the truth is, I think, if you are um, living your life in a way that's true to you, then everything, even the things that disappoint you are an opportunity for something else. And I see that as a really great opportunity, even the challenge, um, you know, and not to sound morbid, but my father uh, passed away this month, actually. It's been a month. I just saw that and I'm so, so sorry. Yeah, he was sick for eight, year, eight years with Alzheimer's. But when he passed, it's like he – it's like for a brief moment he came back and he wasn't sick. And all these memories and just my understanding of who he was as a person just really changed. So I'm bringing that up because even, you know, death, right, It for me um, – was a chance to uh, really celebrate who my father was and in ways that I hadn't even thought of Mm. or experienced in a really long time. And also to um, show me and renew how I want to live my life. So uh, yeah. I'm lit up. (laughs) And I read, well, I read your post and it was so Oh, beautiful. So profound. And it's amazing as well as someone who, I don't know if you were raised around Kabbalah, but I know that you are around the Kabbalah Center, right? And your husband's a rabbi, right? Yes. I started studying when I was 17. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's your world. It's your life. And that's so beautiful. It's part of your mission, clearly. And you do so much for so many people. And it's so fascinating how just this one human in your life who is your father, who you have this deep connection with, though you've been around, you've been studying Kabbalah, it's like, for whatever reason, his death has really allowed you to explore this on another level. On another level. That's exactly right. I think that you can understand ideas and teachings and you really, you know, you know them, right? But for, I think it takes life-changing experiences. Again, it's what you do with them to really um, have it become part of your being and your essence. And I think that that's really what transpired for me. Um, and I really try to do that with everything that's happened to me in life or that will happen because I don't believe in suffering and I don't believe in um, chance. So it's like, okay, this is happening. So it's another uh, lesson in life, but more than that, it's like a lesson in self. It's a lesson in growth. Um and then that can be deeply profound. And and so there are times where I'll find myself like almost daydreaming, just thinking about him, but I'm not I'm not sad like that, you know? Um, yeah, it's really it's life changing. Wow. Wow. And I do agree as well. We do not need to suffer. And it's interesting as well that the topics that we're gonna be talking about today. As someone who also teaches certain topics, it's interesting how when the lessons are out there in the universe or people are listening, it's like sometimes it feels, I don't know if this is from your experience, but I feel like I get challenged with it again and I have to revisit it and relearn it or I just use the tools that I know and bring it into my life so 
I can thrive. Yeah, I always think there's a deeper level of knowing and understanding. Yeah. And so I think that just when we think we've kind of mastered something, it's like the universe <laughs> like, all right, you know, you think you've gotten that. Well, <laughs> that's only like stage one of the understanding, right? And then you just keep going deeper and deeper until it just becomes part of your very being, your essence. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel like it's humbled me yeah. many times. And indeed, I'm experiencing a severe contrast right now. And I think that that's so beautiful to share. So people know that, you know, it's going to be okay. And you're just facing the lessons again. Yeah. I, I think that also, you know, Kabbalistically, there's something called tikkun, which is like your, um, your life's correction, let's say, meaning that if you came back in this lifetime to really work on one specific thing that maybe you didn't overcome in a, in a past lifetime, you know, you're given many opportunities. So let's say that it's relationship struggles or that, you know, you have abandonment issues. Um, you'll be given the opportunity with certain partners to practice that out until you grow and evolve and change through it. So I think that's another reason these reoccurring themes come up for us in different ways, sometimes in big ways, sometimes in smaller ways. I call them life quakes. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, they're there. They're there for that reason. Life quake. I love that. I love that. This is, and you do not have to answer this question, but it's just coming to heart because I, well, I, I just got off the phone with my cousin. She's going through our time. It's her, she lost her mom six years ago today. And then I've also been talking with some other people who recently lost someone this past year. My family lost some people this past year. And it's like, there's a lot of grief and I, I don't know why, but for whatever reason, I just feel like asking you, um, especially with what you're going through, how do you deal with grief? Well, it's interesting. We just, my husband and I have a podcast called Spiritually Hungry and when my father was passing, we did an episode on grief. Um, what I understood really is that I think the more deeply you grieve, it is evidence of how profoundly you've loved. And when you look at it that way, it's not, it's not a bad thing, right? It's really you're tapping into the essence of the person. I think it's normal to grieve, and I think everybody should give themselves the time to experience that Um and really feel that and allow it. But then I think there needs to come a time where you then use that grief and you say, okay, um, you know, this person, right, if they were still in my life, how would I be spending time with them? How would I be living? Because that's ultimately what they want for you. Um, there's this author, I can't recall his name right now, but he was writing about this idea. His son, one of his children died in his teens. And, you know, obviously he was full of grief um, for a long time. And it dawned on him that, you know, all the things that he wished that he could still do with his son, he was going to invest in his other children, in himself, in his marriage, in his life, right? Because that's really, I think, what that awakens us um, when we lose somebody that we love so deeply. I think the other thing that's really important is that the way I look at it, and I, I think this is an elevated, probably maybe it, it might be a far out concept for some, but I think that death is another stage in life. And I know that's going to sound weird at first, but hear me out. Um, you know, when we look at the human body, there is, you know, it, it's a baby, baby grows into a child, grows into a young adult, eventually grows old, and then it's death. And again, I do believe reincarnation. 
maybe some don't. But then the death part is just a loss of the physical body, but the soul still remains. So, and the soul, I believe, when it goes to the upper worlds and goes in transitions before it comes down again, is still experiencing life, a life we don't understand, or do we want to, because we still want to be in this physical world. But the soul is actually quite happy because it's much better up there. It's, and again, it's going back to the place you came from. And then that cycle happens again. So for me, that really helped with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, because I can continue to celebrate my husband, my husband. <laughs> no, 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 no. My, uh, my, uh, my um, father, because he's still very much, um, his essence is endless, yeah. right? It, it's forever uh, alive. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I think that that's why faith is so important. And sometimes I feel it slipping away. <laughs> and then there is just that devoutness, I guess, that comes back, the devotion. And I know that it's needed for the soul as well, or for the human, especially to be able to, like you said, not suffer and grieve, but then let it go and be at peace. Absolutely. And, and again, it does take, uh, you have to challenge yourself, of course, acknowledge your feelings. And I, my heart goes out to anybody. I mean, especially in this last year, I think most people have come close to some kind of, or contact with somebody dying or passing. Um, with this pandemic, but uh, but really, it can be a reminder uh, for how we really want to live our lives, so we don't have regret, and that you know we don't towards the end of our own days we don't look back and say, "Wow, I wish I had done it differently." Absolutely, that brings another question, and then I want to get into more of the topics. Have you ever had like in your past? Because it looks like you are just living and thriving from an outsider's perspective. You know, living the life that perhaps you might have dreamed of. Did you ever, or do you ever have a conversation with your future self or visualize stuff for your future self in order to make sure you don't live with regrets? Oh, every day. (laughs) (laughs) Because the the goal is, and I mean this quite honestly, although it sounds humorous, is that I really hope to be different tomorrow than I am today. Mm. And I do love myself today. It's not like I want to, you know, it comes from a place that's negative. Um, but I, I really hope if I'm doing it right and I'm constantly looking back and assessing myself and giving myself emotional feedback and saying, okay, how was your day today? Is there anything you'd want to do a little bit differently? Did you learn anything? Um, and then go wake up and do that tomorrow. Then hopefully every day I do change a little bit more in the place of growth and, um, and evolution. So, uh, yeah, I think that has to be a continual process because if you don't actually do that, it's really easy to get distracted by life and the demands of day to day and, our physicality. And while some of that is important, for sure, we are living in a physical world and there are things that we do need to put time and energy into. I think very often, you know, we get pulled and swayed into the demands, whether it's the demands of, uh, you know, our jobs, our family or people's opinions of us and what they think we should do. And it's our responsibility to make sure we we call ourselves back and say, wait, you know, mm-hmm. is this really your life? Oh, absolutely. Beautifully said. So beautifully said. I would love to discuss your take on self-sabotage and the path that we can take towards conquering the enemy within. So I think it's a, you know, it's a theme, right? What makes us all do things we really don't want to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we know we shouldn't do, right? But we just can't stop. Um, even when we know better, right? Like you want to, you're going to have a slice of pizza. The next thing you know, you have the whole pie. You're going to have a handful of chips. So you finish the whole bag. <laughs> uh, there's a battle, right? It's a battle that occurs within our minds of I want, but I shouldn't. I'm in charge and I can't control this. 
the cake now, start the diet tomorrow. And I think, by the way, even that conversation in and of itself, those I wants and I shouldn't, I think that's probably where it needs to start, right? Changing our belief systems. I don't believe in ever saying I shouldn't or I I can't. Um, I also don't believe we should say I'm in charge and I can't control this. I don't think either one of those works, right? So I think it really starts there, that conversation. Um, but there's four specific ways I think that we self-sabotage. The first is being pessimistic. The second is feeling helpless. The third is um, being judgmental or speaking negatively about ourselves and about our others and perfectionism. Um, and we can go into each one. I know perfectionism. <laughs> I know. I, I hate that word. No, but it's 1000% true and it can hold me back a lot in life. So I understand fully, fully. It's funny. My youngest, I have four kids. My youngest is eight. And yesterday I was like, oh, she's like, do you like math? And I said, it's perfect. She's like, mommy, you said that's a bad word. I'm like, I know, I know. But in this context, it's Aww. okay to say it. I mean, I literally like trained my children to like not think that it's a bad word because I don't want them. I mean, I really yeah. did a number on myself yeah. until my young adulthood uh, with trying to manage that, right? Oh, I honor that. I love that. Absolutely. And I like that you're showing them or giving them different, you know, context and letting them know that it's it's okay in certain scenarios, but not when it comes to the human, not when it comes to you. Exactly. <laughs> I have a tattoo on my back that says it. Oh, really? I like that. Yeah, I love it. It's a one line drawing, uh-huh. you know, the one line drawings outlining my face. I love that. That's a good one. <laughs> there is a good chance you have heard of the online learning community with thousands of classes called Skillshare. And I hope you take advantage of this free trial, two-week free trial they have to offer for you so you can explore all the new creative ventures that they have for you. And perhaps even many of you have tried Skillshare. And I must say, I'm amazed by their quality of production for their classes and also their teachers and the value they bring to the table. They're masters of their craft, some of them renowned, and many of you may even know as some of them are online creators. There's so much value that you can explore on Skillshare, whether you are interested in animation, design, illustration, lifestyle, photo and film, business, writing. The list goes on for you to discover and explore. I learned how to use Procreate thanks to Jerome Vogel's digital illustration, learn to use Procreate. But there are so many other fascinating classes on Skillshare, such as YouTube Success, Script, Shoot and Edit with MKBHD, taught by Marcus Brownlee, or Productivity for Creatives, Build a System that Brings Out Your Best, taught by Thomas Frank, or, ooh, this one sounds good, Artivism, Create Inspiring Art for Change, taught by Nicholas Smith. There are a variety, a variety of classes, and... I know with this free trial, you are going to dig up some gold and nourish that creative soul of yours. Anyway, I'm so thankful they're continuing to gift the Your Own Magic listeners a free trial. So explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash Your Own Magic and get a free trial of their premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash Your Own Magic. Enjoy your two-week free trial and nourish your creative soul. And now on with the show.
with these four, um, like pessimism, right? It's um, it's the belief that bad events, right? Which again, we can change because I don't like, to, I would never talk about life in that way. I think that everything's an opportunity, even the most difficult things, but that those events will last a long time and that they're somehow our fault. So, you know, there's nothing to do with that kind of belief system or those emotions. And basically it becomes a self-fulfilling prop- prophecy, right? Because then it will last a long time and you will feel like it's your fault. Um and obviously the opposite of that is being an optimist where you see misfortune as an opportunity and uh, you think defeat is temporary and that it's absolutely not your fault. So then you're unfazed by it. Uh, and I think that that is, you know, the way we kind of switch that people always say, well, how do you change belief systems or how do you stop something? Well, you just, you decide first of all, right? Because consciousness is like a muscle and you have to work on it and you have to choose every day. But if you were holding a piece of hot coal, what would you do? You would just let it go, right? If you were carrying around heavy luggage and you just got back from the airport, you would just drop it on the floor. Oh, I love those analogies. Brilliant. Yeah. And they sound super simplistic, right? But it's but it's true. It's the hot coal in your mind, the negative mm-hmm. intrusive thoughts. Exactly. You know, I know somebody that I've worked with and she's like the kindest, most generous, beautiful person inside and out. Uh, but if there's one thing that comes into her life that she can't control, that emotion is so big, it just shuts her down. And so that one thing beyond her control undermines everything else. And then she'll go to pills and drinking and really behavior that hurts her until she gets tired of that. And then she starts all over again. So I think that, you know, for all of your listeners, really, uh, you decide how you see things, right? Because one thing could happen to you today and happen to me. Let's say let's say the same exact thing, but how we choose to respond to it will dictate our experience of it. So that's the responsibility of each person to um, challenge, you know. But again, it, it will first start with this question: is right. what do you believe? Right. Ooh. One more thing to piggyback off of this, because you were talking about how she would turn to, though she's a beautiful person, she would turn to drugs and alcohol. What if she's dealing with alcoholism and she has a tendency to reach for the bottle when something happens? Like, Even though, of course, these are amazing steps, are are there certain practices or mantras or something she can remember to not reach for that bottle? Well, I think that you need to replace those kinds of behaviors with something else, especially until it becomes more kind of automatic. So um, if she already, once she discovers or anybody discovers what their pattern is, right, then they're able to catch the thought, right? Once you then, because it starts with being honest with yourself, really truthful about where you're at in life and what you believe. When you start to do that and you start to check in with yourself, that voice that's almost inaudible will become louder now. Because what happens in life is that most people kind of, they go through life and everybody else's voice is so much louder. It's like really blaring at us, right? Loud thoughts, opinions, expectations, and we start to quiet ourselves, right? And we start pleasing others. So we really need to work on flipping that. We come into the world that way as children. We hear our own voice and then that that changes at some point. Um, so once she starts to have access to what her thoughts are, she'll be able to say, okay, I see that I'm. if I continue thinking like this, I'm going to go down the slippery slope. And I know what that looks like, right? So before she gets too far into that space, she can then replace it, whether it's practicing meditation and calling on a friend to help her be accountable, going to a support group, whatever it is, you know, finding a spirituality so that now she's replaced something that she does that's negative to herself with something that's positive. 
Oh, so beautiful. And then what was the one after pessimism? Is uh, helplessness. Helplessness, yes. So Dr. Martin Seligman, I really love his work. He's written a bunch of books um, about happiness. And he said there's something called learned helplessness, which is basically a quitting response. It believes that no matter what we do, it's not going to make any bit of difference. I mean, oh my God, I could never live like that. Just even saying this out loud is like, oh my God, <laughs> that's so painful. Because basically it's a thought that nothing I do matters, right? It prevents any activity. You won't take action in any area. Um, and then what happens is we give our control to experts, right? We give them control over our children, over ourselves, our experiences, our, you know, our circumstances. So that is particularly dangerous because then no change will really occur. Um, and no change will actually happen from that. So again, with this, you want to say that, okay, of course in life, there are things out of our control, like a pandemic, um, and different things that, that come up. But again, what is in my control is how I do respond to it. There's always something that can be done, even if it's just changing your outlook. Very, very true. Perspective is everything. Yes. Yes. And all of this, it just sounds a lot like becoming very self-aware, more self-aware than before when it comes to wanting to change your habits with self-sabotage. So just being aware of the pessimism and the helplessness and I believe the next two are judgmental and perfection, right? Yeah. I just want to add to what you're saying. The part about awareness, I think, you know, in my book, um, I have two books, but my most recent one, Rethink Love, the first eight chapters are all about the relationship you have with yourself because I think that's the fundamental first step most people miss. And again, I think in culture, in our society, we're taught that, you know, I mean, look, in, in lyrics, poems, movies, right? This romanticized idea of love that it's you're happily ever after and everything that you're <laughs> lacking, you know, you're going to find it um, when you meet the one. So, and, and we know that's a farce, right? There's a lot of different things going on at the beginning of a relationship that you fork through and there's <laughs> chemical things happening in our brains. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, and, and so what happens is when we start to feel because again, I, I do believe that when we're children, we're usually more in touch with ourselves. It depends, of course, what kind of childhood you had. And then life kind of happens and, and are the teen years and hormones and all of that anxiety. Um, and then we become very aware of how we're seen and, and we can really overly focus on that. So if we don't actually take the time to really get to know ourselves again as we're a little bit older, um, we probably have lost ourselves at that point. And then we start to really focus on the other most important relationship we think, which is a partner. So I really encourage people to go back at, it doesn't matter what stage you are in your life to really becoming self-aware, to know what lights you up, to know what you desire, to know what you don't like, to know what you believe, or if you don't know what you believe, it's really to take a, a an approach to becoming your own very best friend and become self-interested. Um, because self-care, you know, people think that that's just about physical things. And while that's important, being self-interested is really being curious about who you are and what inspires you and what you want to do. You know, that curiosity we usually approach friends with or meeting new friends or, again, a, a romantic partner with. 100%. Hum Nutrition. If you haven't heard of Hum Nutrition, not only have they been one of our longest, if not the longest, standing sponsor, but they are also coincidentally <laughs> my favorite high quality supplement as they meticulously select micronutrients to balance the beauty from within from tummy issues which i suffered with 
in years past. I haven't for a long time now, which is nice. Also skin, nails, metabolism, energy, sleep, or nutritional deficiencies like B12 and vitamin D. And Hum has a variety of gluten-free, non-GMO products, and most of them vegan. And the Yomis can receive a free nutrition report to find the right nutrients to balance any deficiencies within. So just go to humnutrition.com and enter the promo code MAGIC for 20% off. My old go-to was Gut Instinct, but like I said, I haven't had to use that in quite a long time now, which I'm so thankful for. So now my favorites are Glow Sweet Glow and Hair Sweet Hair because they are vegan gummies. And I mean, you know, I can't pass on a good gummy, but maybe gummies aren't your thing. They have a variety of other supplements too that I highly recommend like Private Party, which supports vaginal and urinary tract health. Here comes the sun, which supports the immune system and boosts your mood as it has vitamin D3. But I would say my favorite is red carpet for glowing skin and shiny hair, which by the way, I know there are many factors involved as to why my hair has grown a lot finally, but I do want to also thank Hum for being a part of that as it provides plant-based fatty acids and nourishes my hair follicles and skin and promotes healthy skin texture as well. A must try. So again, you receive 20% off when you enter the promo code MAGIC at checkout. So go to humnutrition.com and perhaps take their free nutrition report if you would like to find out what would be specific for you and receive 20% off wherever you are in the world. Just Make sure to check out using the promo code MAGIC for 20% off of your purchase. And thank you Hum Nutrition for supporting Euromagic for a long time now. Now on with the rest of the show. I love a natural look with some shimmer. I love that lightly soft contour, but add of course some shimmer and some blush, some highlighter, a whisk of eyeliner on the outer edges, and of course a strong lengthening mascara that does not clump or flake. That's basically the look I usually go for. So whether you like a more natural look or full glam or somewhere in between, you'd love Thrive Cosmetics because you're not only getting quality cosmetics, but you're also contributing to a good cause. And you also might already know of them as they have a pretty viral, vibrant turquoise tube on social media for their mascara and it is a game changer. It is. I'm so happy that Thrive Cosmetics is not just stunning, but also 100% vegan and cruelty-free and it's packed with clean, skin-loving ingredients. Their high-performance formulas set the bar high with uncompromising standards, so no wonder their bestsellers boast thousands of glowing five-star reviews. And what also makes them even more special is that every purchase with Thrive Cosmetics contributes to making communities thrive, hence the name. I mean, it's also spelled C-A-U-S-E medics, Thrive Cosmetics. So it's not just about beauty. I mean, they're truly about giving back. So with your support, they donate products and funds to support communities in need through responsive giving. That's why they've been my beauty obsession since 2020. I've been using their Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara since 2020. I mean, this is a magical mascara that lasts all day without a hint of clumping or smudging or flaking. And removal is a breeze as all I need is warm water and a washcloth. Pretty simple. And also here's the best part. The nourishing ingredients in this flake 
free tubing formula not only gives you the length and definition that you crave, but also it supports longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It's a love story for your lashes. So Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com magic. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash magic for 20% off your first order. The next one is judgment, which by the way, speaking about what you were just saying, I... Ten. Oh wait, no. The next one's perfection. Yeah. No, no. It's okay, just, it's just me. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, want yeah. to ahead to perfection. <laughs> You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> but I tend to. I know that that's my personal self sabotage or inner critic, which it's been a shift that I've been, you know, working on, and and it takes a long time, especially if it's deeply rooted but you do have to just almost decide and choose you and and honestly I think that one thing that has helped with my personal self-judgment is learning and finding and exploring self-interest and just focusing on myself and loving myself more or choosing to love myself or if I have a hard time doing that then at least accepting yeah you know I found because I used to be I used to be judgmental I think everybody has that um and I worked really hard though to stop doing that, but also mostly because I think people who judge others really, the one they judge the most is themselves. And I was so uncomfortable feeling like that. I think judgment really stems from having a lot of guilt and shame Mm -hmm. and blame, you know, those, those big threes that, um, that I never feel any of those anymore. Again, worked really hard to shed that. Um, I had anorexia when I was a teenager and I was full of shame and guilt. And I had to either, you know, it was either dying or learning to love myself. For me, it was, I didn't have the luxury of time and, you know, oh, like the thing I said earlier about people just going to look for the one. And that's what I wanted to do at the time. But I was like, no, no, no. I, I knew I had to learn to love myself. I think when you're able to, and again, that's the self-awareness aspect, um, when you really start to see where your thoughts are and um, your negative belief systems, then you can work at chipping these away. And um, I think, again, a person who is curious cannot be judgmental. When you're curious, you approach life and people differently. So I think a really good remedy for that you know, is to get curious about life, curious about yourself curious about people that you see or you meet, give them the benefit of the doubt, speak to them as you would if you were a child, you know, your younger self or your sibling or somebody you love unconditionally. Um, And when you do that, then it kind of gives you the space to reevaluate what's really happening um, or at least prove that you don't really know what's happening. Uh, And I think the other sobering thought when it comes to judgment, Kabbalistically speaking, we think that it's something we're doing externally to us. But in fact, when you judge somebody else, you're just inviting more judgment into your own life. It's like a mirror. Yes. And it's very dangerous. 100%. That's why if someone says something negative, it's more so you know that they're going through something themselves and to not take it personally. You're mirroring something to them perhaps or also vice versa, you know, like I'm human as well. So I've judged obviously. And that's definitely because I was going through deep. One of those three, shame, guilt, blame. Yeah. And I think that at everybody's core, you know, we are all, we are good. There is goodness in each of us. I think everybody has the ability to also tap into the negative aspects of our personality, but that's not our core. At our core, we are 
truly good, right? So um, I think it's this understanding and this awareness to have is that wherever I put my consciousness is what stays with me, right? Because that's what you carry around with you, those thoughts, those opinions. And you know how heavy that feels. There's something great about that. Um, and to know, like if I judged 10 people today, I've brought 10 aspects of that into my own life. And again, a sobering thought, but I think it's a good one to have to help get out of that. Whoa. I just had an epiphany as you said this. Wow. Good. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I remember, uh, that the church would say, you know, we're all born sinners and I, I do notice that there are many members that are extremely, I just remember experiencing severe judgment and and it just made me realize like well at in their mind they've been ingrained with this idea that we're born sinners uh-huh. and we have to try to choose to be better or whatever um but if you know at your core that you're born <laughs> not a sinner or maybe there's not even sin but you're just born love then you're likely to tap more into that and just remember that you're good you're human at your core and your soul is good, you know? Yes. And so I think that that brightens your life and makes you less judgmental. I can feel that this is still something that's really obviously affected you when you're younger. I can hear it in your breath. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's really powerful. And I'm so happy you're sharing that. We actually did another podcast recently on sinning, right? This idea of, um, you know, making mistakes and the word sin, because even the word, I mean, when you hear the word, it's like a heaviness, like, oh my God, I did something that's so damaging. In truth, you know, what we do in life is that when we behave in ways that are negative and not accordance to, again, our truth, um, whether it's speaking ill of somebody or, you know, stealing from somebody or, or you know, um, spreading rumors about them, whatever it may be, basically we're putting shells on our light, on our soul. And so it's like one covering over another, over another, over another. And if you keep living your life like that, in 10, 15 years. So then it seems very dim. The person seems really dark and negative, right? Or you might feel that way. But again, you can peel back those layers. It's harder. I think sometimes we we effortlessly, you know, irresponsibly say things that maybe we know we shouldn't. Or if we, if we understood what was at stake, maybe we wouldn't say those things or we wouldn't behave in that way that was so hurtful to somebody else. Um, and then to take the work of peeling it up, you know, <laughs> of reversing it, of course, is hard, but totally possible. Um, and that's the why I love the idea of Kabbalah and transformation and growth, uh, because anything is possible. You know, there's nothing that you can't actually reverse. Oh, that's so beautiful. And I'm sure that you've seen, you've witnessed it yourself. Many people, they might walk in and they have this darkness surrounding them and you've seen them peel the layers back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a beautiful gift to witness. Yeah. I, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and how about perfectionism? So perfectionism. Like I said, this one was the most difficult for me um, personally. I tried to really master it early in adulthood, but ultimately it really robbed me of joy um, day to day in my life, just with myself and my own skin, with my children, um, and, and really mostly in the relationship with myself. So I think that all perfectionist, all perfectionistic tendencies are destructive. I don't really see a benefit in it at all. Um, there's a quote by Albert Hubbard. It says, the greatest mistake a man can make is be afraid of making one. And I think in those years that I was just trying to do it all right and and never making a mistake, you know, again, like I said, I've missed out on joy, but also 
on opportunity. I would never put myself out there or try something if I was worried I'd fail. In fact, I was really a procrastinator then. And I never understood why, because I'm really type A. I'm like, go getter, you know, work out. Like I do everything a, a thousand percent. But I was like, hey, well, if that's your personality, then how come you're procrastinating on the things that are most important to you, like writing the first book or whatever it was at the time? And I realized that procrastination, the reason people do it, it's not a personality thing. It's not that they're lazy um, or unmotivated. It's that if they don't know the outcome, right, if there's a possibility they might fail, then they're worried about starting it. They'll push that off. And when I understood that, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> um, and I, in fact, did change that too. I mean, that one was a hard one to overcome. But I, once I understood it, I was like, no, I'm not doing this again. So, you know, I want to live a messy life. That's the truth. And the messiness is, the, is where I have learned the most. And the growth has been most tremendous. You know, if you never had a hardship, or you never had something um, not be quite right, you know, where did the learning actually occur? It wasn't when everything went as you planned. Monica, I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this podcast episode. <laughs> I want to live a messy life and everything, everything, seriously, everything that you just said in this bit right here, I can't tell you how much I relate to. And I also experience in this present moment at, from time to time. And I'm just, I want to say thank you for everything you just shared. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a big one. It can really paralyze a person. Yeah. From- from pursuing anything that really gets them excited. I mean, of course, then you can understand why they might feel miserable or angry or judgy, you know, yeah. when you're not giving yourself what you most truly desire. 100%. And do you have any tools to take that leap and let go of perfection aside from just saying, nope, nope, not doing that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think that for a while I was like, okay, there's, you know, I would just give myself reminders. Like there's a reason we have erasers. Um, I would also look back at like, again, I would write down like specific, I really believe in journaling. So I'd write down specific things that happened in my life that didn't happen the way I wanted to. And then I'd write down the gift of it. What did I learn from it? How was my life better for it? Mm-hmm. Um, I would try to practice being really flexible. So if things didn't go my way, I learned to train myself to be like, great, that's an opportunity to do something completely different that I hadn't planned on doing. It was really embracing the unknown, um, really understanding that that's all we ever really know for sure is that (laughs) we don't know. And so instead of fearing it, right, I replaced it with excitement. I just took what was already a reality for me and I switched it to something that was negative to something that could be positive and exciting. Oh, so beautiful. There's so, there's so much power in getting deeply honest with yourself, especially as you journal. And that has helped me get unstuck in many ways. And I know that I'd love to talk with you as well about getting unstuck in life, especially when one feels paralyzed and can't escape it. But, you know, because it's only human to go through a lull or a period of feeling stagnant or stuck from time to time. So what are ways you get unstuck in life? Well, that's a big one. I mean, there's so many things that can keep us uh, stuck. I I think that a big one is negative thinking, negative thoughts. Um, Because if you, if you have, let's say a desire for um, something, uh, let's say to start a family, right? But you also have another thought that, let's say you grew up in, a, in an abusive home, 
Um, you've another thought that you don't really deserve to be a parent and that you don't know how to be one because you didn't have good ones. So they're competing thoughts, right? And those negative thoughts might even hinder you from starting a family. So I think that you need to look at what is true in that statement. Is it that you don't think you'll be a good parent or that you really want children? Which one is the truth? You have to choose that, right? And from there, then you can take steps towards that. So I, I think it just comes with identifying what is the true thought and what is the false one. Um, so I would say to begin there. The other thing is, uh, when we think about getting unstuck, I think time is a really interesting concept. Uh, it's something that everybody has the exact same amount of, right? You and I both have the same amount of minutes in this day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How we spend them might be very different. Some people might waste them. Um, <laughs> So, you know, you can ask yourself the question, how much time today did you spend, for instance, um, procrastinating or envying other people or gossiping, right? Because this is all kind of self-sabotaging behavior versus um, how much time did you give into self-growth or consciousness or even sharing or kindness, right? So I think it's looking at time and asking yourself, how did you spend it? I think far too often we think we don't have enough time to do the things that we love or the really important things. We'll put them off and we'll be busy with all kinds of nonsense, mostly thoughts that we shouldn't even be having and that we don't want to be having. Right. I mean, a lot of people are like, how much did you do this, this, that, whatever? I said, honestly, I stopped doing this negative thing, that negative thing, that and all of those negative thoughts that I had about myself of like, oh, I can't do it or I can't make it happen. My I had 30 percent more time to that day wow. than before. Isn't that so funny? Isn't that so funny how we, it's truly just our mind that's this block and it makes it so time of the day is either slower or faster or you use your time wisely. I know that when I have that mental block, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I will tend to procrastinate thinking about time because it gives me anxiety, assuming that I either have an too much or not enough, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I think that we all have to be our own timekeeper, right? Yeah. So I think it's important to think about time, really. Um, I set my watch 10 minutes fast for two reasons. <laughs> One, I used to be chronically late and I felt like that was just selfish. And, you know, my time's not more important than anybody else's. And I only understood that once when I was really, 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 really late to a dinner. Um, this is decades ago. So um, and they left the restaurant. Okay. I was mortified. And to my defense, I was interviewing somebody. I was leaving town for like a month and I needed to find somebody. So I was interviewing really late and it didn't matter. It didn't matter what the reason was. And I understood it so completely in that moment. Of course, I apologized profusely, but I also made a commitment never to be late again. And that was 20 years ago. So wow. I started setting my watch 10 minutes fast. And even though I know it's fast, when I see it, the dial, right, I'm like, oh my God, I got to stop everything right now and go, right? So it's the trigger that my brain needs actually, like we're leaving now. Um, but the other thing is this idea of like, okay, you know, it makes me think about time, right? You got to do this now because the day is moving ahead. That that 10 minute thing for me does it. Ooh. Um, yeah. You got to do this now because the day is moving ahead and we won't get this time back. You won't. And by the way, what you could do today uh, energetically is only available today. Tomorrow might be different opportunities, but you really have to look at it that way. 100%. Oh, that is gold. And I think that my dad would purposely sometimes have the dial three minutes fast. And I think it's smart. Three's not enough for me. I need 10. <laughs> <laughs> Three could be just like my watch is running fast or jumped, you know, like, no, three minutes could be just, you know, 
it's just my watch, right? 10 minutes, you can't really deny that. And I also think honoring other people's time is another way of you honoring yourself as well. Well, I mean, this is kind of an easy segue, but why do you emphasize the power of kindness and bringing kindness in all things? Yeah, I do talk about kindness a lot. Um, My youngest and I just wrote a series of four books on kindness. What? Wait, what? You just wrote a series with your youngest? Are you kidding me? That's so freaking adorable. I'm really inspired by my children. Like they really, for me, um, get me thinking creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're spoken about a lot. And I always say, well, that's just part of being my children. But um but yeah, we wrote it during the, during the pandemic, and uh, and I'm really excited about it. I'm looking for a children's illustrator. That's the hardest part of writing a children's book, mm-hmm. apparently. So if anybody's hearing this, I'm like desperate for really. It's oh, I'm yeah. sure someone will either contact me or DM Monica straight away. I know there is an animator and illustrator listening to this. I know it. Yeah, I'm just putting it on the universe every day. Yes, all day, honestly, I love that. Um, <laughs> But I do think that it is one of the most important things that we can ever be. And I think that people really underestimate it. Sure, it's easy to be kind to nice people. Uh, It's more challenging to be kind when they're not nice or when they've even harmed you, right? Let's take it to that level. Um, So kindness, I think, is an opportunity. You know, we talked about those layers that we put on top of our, our soul. Acting in kindness is the way to peel them away, right? To chip away at them. Um, there's so many ways to pay it forward. I mean, even if you buy somebody a cup of coffee that's behind <gasps> you in line or somebody who's struggling, you know, just very simple things to do. Um, I think it's almost impossible, though, if you're not doing that for yourself first. So hence, everything we spoke about before this um, does need to ha- happen. But I think that when you live your life like that, right, um, what can I offer? Not because I have to, but because I, I really ultimately want to. Um, you know, I often think like there's many things in life we can all be, right? And and I think that the things that are talked about mostly are, you know, be successful, um, whatever that means to each person, right? Make a lot of money, you know, but I think that there's only one thing we really have to be. And I think that is kind. I don't think it's even an option. Like fear. Exactly. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Kindness really just, it can turn someone's day around bringing that sparkle out in someone else just it makes not only their day but your day and I mean I'm obviously preaching to the choir so I don't even know why I'm saying this but I don't yeah. think it just changes your life I think it changed I mean your day I think it changes your life I think that if yeah. you do that every day right then you really become a different person you feel different oh yeah um oh yeah one of the most inspiring stories I had read about was about this marathon runner her name's Jacqueline Natepi Kalimpo Kip Limo yeah, she's a tongue cool twister. Um, <laughs> and she's won several trophies, medals. But I think what she's going to be remembered is uh, being a radically kind person. In 2010, she was in an um, international marathon in China. And she was favored to win the race. Um, and she was ahead of everybody. She was at the 10-kilometer mark. She was way ahead. And she could not only get a great title, right, but she would also get $10,000. And she's running along and she happens upon a man who is um, really suffering. He's dehydrated and he has a disability because he doesn't have uh, both of his arms stop at his elbows. So he couldn't grab any water along the way to hydrate himself, right? 
So she could have run past him and, and been first pay, place in the marathon runner. And again, an elitist title, go on to other races, $10,000. And this isn't just like, I mean, I've run marathons. It's not like it's something, okay, great, we trained, whatever. This is her life's work too, right? This is where she puts all of her time and energy. So she, um, and she knew if she had run past him, he wouldn't make it to the finish line without having water. So what she did for the next 28 kilometers, she ran alongside him helping him stay hydrated. I mean, the story makes me cry every time because it's just such a beautiful thing that she didn't have to do. And also she was going to lose something by offering this kindness, but not really, right? Because what she'd gained is so much more. Even with that, right? She stayed with him until she felt he could finish with his own power. She left him at the 38 kilometer mark and she finished in second place. So oh, what? Yeah, Chills. I know. Chills. Wow. Uh, I love the humans. I love inspiring humans. What's her name again? You're going to make me say that again. <laughs> I'll tell you her name. Jacqueline Natepi Kiplimo. Okay. Well, Jacqueline sounds like an amazing person. And one thing that you also said earlier was that it's important that you can also take care of yourself. For example, with the coffee, if you like, hopefully you can afford it yourself and then also, you know, be able to afford it for someone else. It's so important to put yourself first. And I know you said that in Rethink Love, your first eight chapters were about putting that love first. But then how about when you're adding somebody else in the picture? For example, people that are married for a long time, they sometimes tend to lash out at each other, which is human, which is normal. But how can they practice that power of kindness because they've been together for so long? Well, that's a whole, I mean, that's a, a lot of stuff that happens in the relationship yeah. for it to get to that point. Um, and I think that the the biggest thing that is lost in relationships is a loss of appreciation for one another. I think that when the appreciation is lost, the love is lost. Not that you don't love the person necessarily anymore, but you can't really access it. And I think that it's just human nature, right? You know, it's like another thing off of our checklist and you're married and, you know, of course I'm making it sound um, very unromantic. However, I do think to some extent that is the case. And I think it's up to us to make sure that we're always cultivating that appreciation for who they are, for why we want to spend our lives with them, and that nobody owes us anything, not because you're married, not for any reason. Um, and if you're able to keep that going and constantly awakening that, then I, I don't think you'd allow yourself to get to a place where you then take them for granted and speak to them unkindly or um, you know, in a way that you hadn't before. Oh, I think that's such a powerful and beautiful message, especially for those who have been with their significant other for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other messages before we move on to rapid fire? If you are down for rapid fire. Yeah, I'm down for anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we talked about a bunch of things. Um, we did. And, uh, and I just think, you know, I really hope anybody that is listening today um, just takes a moment to really rethink their life and how they're living it and, and know, know that anything, absolutely anything is possible if you if you believe it to be so mm, beautiful amen all right rapid fire coffee or tea coffee and tea in that order <laughs> <laughs> yes i agree i do have tea later yeah, in the day. me too green tea later in the day but oh that cup of coffee first thing in the morning is a must have to have to uh vanilla or chocolate vanilla same um early mm -hmm. bird or night owl both okay <laughs> It depends what I'm doing, right? So tomorrow morning I'm waking up super early. So tonight I am going to 
uh, enforce an early bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Do you have a morning routine? Yes. Workout, coffee, workout, and then work. I love it. There's a, a prayer in between, you know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, of course, of course. Um, and you, you live in New York, right? Yes. So you're surrounded by some of the best workout studios. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm jealous, but no, I'm, I've, I've just been hiking. I'm in the mountains. I'm in Utah right now. Oh, uh, beautiful there. Oh, it's beautiful. I love it. I love it here. Uh, when you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? With my husband and kids. Of course. Writing books <laughs> or yeah. your podcast. What's your podcast called? Spiritually Hungry. Spiritually Hungry. I'll put that in the show notes. What was your first job? Uh, first, first, first job, mm-hmm. I was a camp counselor. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, any books you're currently reading, if any? Many. I don't know. I never used to be like that, but I feel like I have my hands in a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, I'm reading Malcolm Gladwell's Talking with Strangers. Mm. Um, just finished Untamed, which is great. Um, I just ordered Oprah's new book. It just I realized it didn't arrive yet. Yeah. No, better yet. <laughs> and then how about any shows you're currently watching, if any? Or also a bunch. Um, I love that Handmaid's Tale just came out with the new season, so I'm starting that. Awesome. Um, I'm waiting for Ozark to come back on. Mm-hmm. Um Watching the Crown. I know I'm a little late to that party, but I'm enjoying it. That's I need to watch that one. It's really good. I mean, it's it's really well done, and I like the history aspect. Yeah, that's what I, I like. That. Um, have you seen Bridgerton? Yes. Okay. Obsessed. <laughs> Waiting for that to come back too. Me I know. too. <laughs> but they're not going to have Reggae Jean Paul back, which is that. Really? No. It's, what? Yeah, Wait. because it's like a. It's based off the book series. And what happens in uh, book two, it's actually... Wait, wait. Are you going to spoil something? <gasps> oh, are you? have you not finished Bridgerton? <laughs> no. <gasps> Just kidding. Okay, I'm not going to say anything. Anyway, favorite <laughs> era of music? Classic rock, 70s. Of course. Um, this is the last question that I ask all your magic guests. And I've asked this to you before. Your answer is likely to be completely different. How would you advise the Euro Magic listeners to create their own magic? Just be you. Everybody's already taken. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, that's it. Drown out the rest of the noise and really allow yourself just to emerge from it. Amen. Yes. Where can everyone connect with you? Um, a lot of places. Uh, you can get my books from Amazon, Fears on an Option, and Rethink Love. You can follow me on social media, Monica Berg 74 my blog is RethinkLife.today, and my podcast is Spiritually Hungry. With your husband. Yes. I love that. And I love the name, Spiritually Hungry. Clever. Right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we talk about everything related to just life. It's fun. I'm sure. Is it not only Kabbalah-focused? Just No, everything. Both. Science. Phys- I mean, it's everything. Yeah. <gasps> I love that. I love that. And I loved this conversation, Monica. Thank you so much for coming back on. Thank you so much. Yomis, that is a wrap. That is a wrap for this episode. I hope that something spoke deeply to you, expanded you in some way. Please let me know if so. You can catch me on Instagram at Raquel Mantra. I spell Raquel a different way than most, so you can see the spelling in the show notes. Or hang out with the Yomis, the like-minded, very conscious and expansive and helpful souls on the Euro Magic Facebook group. 
especially a place to turn to when it comes to, well, whatever you're going through. And there are several tools on the euromagic.life membership site. All right, well, thank you so, so much and have a magical rest of your day.